welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. This episode, I'm joined with Calvin Dennis, owner of Scent Hunter Tracking, and we're talking blood trailing with dogs. All right, hello and welcome to MI, MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening. Well, it is that time. It is October. Archery season has officially opened. You know, so far I've gotten out twice on opening day. You know, it's been slow for me, but I know a lot of people have already found some success. You know, opening day didn't really see much of anything. I mean, the weather felt really good and everything like that, but it just didn't happen. Went and checked a scrape that's right by my stand, only about 25 yards away. Saw that there were some fresh uh, palm marks in there. Looked like some fresh tracks in it. Pulled the card on that scrape. And wouldn't you know it, the big buck that I've been watching in that area came through the night before. You know, was in that scrape. Pawed it out. Was actually looking pretty aggressive with it. Uh, so I just know that it's only be a matter of time when he starts making his rounds again. One of these times he's going to be there during daylight. And I just got to make sure that I'm there for that. But again, I know that there's some that have already found success. Calvin himself has actually already gone out and did a successful track uh, for a buck for someone. So he's already been getting phone calls. So again, Calvin, he has started uh, working with uh, a dog of his to track deer with or track down wounded deer with with his dog Willow. Uh, He's been doing now. This is the second season with it. And he. And so I sit down with Calvin and talk about, um, you know, his process, how we got started with it and what, you know, kind of what entails for training the dog uh, to, you know, track down wounded deer. And then also what they look for or what he looks for uh, in the process of, you know, what helps the tracker. Um, an instance, if, so if you do uh, end up wounding a deer and you call a tracker or you call Dennis himself, on what he's looking for. So Calvin covers what he's looking for, some of the questions he's going to ask you uh, when you give him a call, which is going to be pretty standard for most trackers. They're going to want to get some information from you um, before they decide that they're going to come out. So Calvin covers and runs down his process of that, and then ultimately some things that you can keep in mind if or when you're out hunting, that if you do make a hit on a deer and you're not able to recover it right away, some things that you're going to want to keep in mind and focus on to help make sure that you're successful in recovering that deer. So again, I'm not going to get hung up too much on this intro. We're going to dive right into the conversation with, with Calvin and learn about tracking deer and with, and about his dog Willow. All right. So my name is uh, Calvin Dennis. I uh, am an owner and handler at scent hunter tracking. Uh, started that last year, 2021. And you know, that just kind of, started out the the precursor to it was 2020 when i shot a deer and uh you know just had a hard time finding it thought it was a great shot you know just as everybody would and uh that that portrayed into hey i'm gonna get a deer tracking dog you know just kind of because uh at the time i thought i made a great shot and decided that uh you know, maybe it wasn't the best shot. And so the next day ended up having to call that deer tracking dog in and just watching that dog work and just, you know, being able to, to be a part of that, um, really got my interest going. And of course we weren't able to find that deer, but I told the wife after that, I'm getting a deer tracking dog next year. <laughs> All right. So even with, um, not being able to find the deer, you were still impressed enough with oh absolutely yeah so um you know deer tracking um in itself without the dog you know can be a challenge at times um a lot of guys uh, are very good at it but you know when the blood runs out what do you do and so that particular instance um like i said i thought i made a great shot on it it was a high shot it was actually 30 yards you know getting close to that end of the evening time and uh called the deer tracking guy up and and that's probably the biggest thing with deer trackers and and guys that have dogs is they're able to maybe not even come out but they can give advice and that's kind of the cool part about it yeah so so yeah so you started out you know found that or you had that hit you know what what was it about 
when you started the track that you thought that maybe you needed help with it? Well, so again, initially uh, made the shot and, and we had waited about an hour and a half, two hours before we went in to start looking for that deer. And after about 150, 160 yards, the blood got a little sparse, uh, started guessing my shot, you know, and decided that it was best to pull out, give it the evening, next morning we'll call a deer tracker in see what see what they think so uh, the next morning rolled around i did make a few phone calls and of course during the peak season um, you know deer trackers are pretty busy and so uh, it took a few phone calls before i got a hold of a guy but he finally said yep i'm available i can come out there he said make sure you don't go in there any more than you, you already have and we'll come out and take a look and so that's what we did and uh you know, the blood got real sparse at the end, and I'd heard all these great things about deer trackers, and they said, oh, you know, the best thing is, is when the blood runs out, the dog doesn't have a problem with it. And so uh, I went off of that, and it was pretty amazing to watch. Um, from the, the last spot that we had blood, probably another 50, 60, 70 yards past that is where the dog ended up advancing to. But now owning my own dog and tracking myself, I've found that even after the blood runs out and even after you know you get to a specific spot where maybe the hunter thought that the deer should have went this way or should have went that way um you really got to trust the dog and so that's kind of where i've um i've learned a lot over the last year of, of doing that so yeah. trust your dog all right so so then you wanted to get into it what was your thought process of you know finding the dog or picking the a breed of dog or what you're looking for in a dog to for to train yeah so um you know number one is um if you're going to pick a dog obviously it has to be first and foremost is family dog you got to make sure that that dog is going to fit your family um with us uh, we have a jack russell terrier already and uh we had bought it from a breeder locally here in kingsley okay. and uh and so moving forward we decided well maybe we'd go back with a jack russell uh, jack russells are known for tracking in africa that's kind of a big thing over there big game okay and so, um, you know, we, we really like Jack Russell's. We've had great luck with our first dog. And uh, so moving forward, we thought, well, maybe we'll get another Jack Russell. Well, a lot of people aren't very familiar with them, but they're actually called Parsons Russell Terriers. A uh, little bit bigger breed. And they also have, uh, this specific one has what they call a broken coat. And okay. so my dog Willow is a Parsons Russell Terrier. Uh, she's a little bit bigger. She's uh, about 25 pounds again broken coat and so you know looking at the different breeds out there um there's a lot of different deer tracking dogs you know they've got um anywhere from bloodhounds to you know they've got uh the the wiener dog as it would be um you know they've got german shepherds doing it and they've got even dogs that just came from the pound and so for us it was uh what dog's going to fit our family gotcha. and so that was number one and then moving forward from there, it was looking at the research and stuff from Africa and finding out that these dogs are a tracking dog. Nice. Okay. So, so you figured out that you want, you know, you pick the breed. Yeah. What's a good temperament for uh, a tracking dog? Well, you know, everybody has to have their own. And again, make that family dog first and then get your, your, your tracking dog second. But what it really boils down to is what's the, what's the drive of that dog? You know, they have to have that prey drive and they have to have that um, want and the ability to track. Uh, I really believe that any dog could be a tracking dog. It's just a matter of the dog itself. You know, there's there's bloodhounds out there that are supposed to be tracking dogs, and they just <laughs> don't want nothing to do with it, you know? And that's just part of the dog. So um, finding out what, you know, what your dog can do, and that was really the, the big thing for me is when I first got Willow, I mean, she was eight months, or I'm sorry, eight weeks old, and right off the bat, the first day she came home, we started training. And so that was that was the big thing to find out: is this dog going to be a tracking dog or not? <laughs> gotcha. So yeah. So basically, what you just set out a trail of, you know, either because typically they use either what hide, you can use like liver meat or uh, do an actual blood trail, yep. or um, or the trick is with like the the deer legs. Yep. So so we start out, uh, or I should say, I started out with a liver drag. Uh, liver has this really sweet smell. It's high in, in scent. And um, I would start a, a short drag, maybe 10 or 15 yards, and just get that scent trail there. And you want that dog to just kind of get, 
the use of the nose and staying on that track for that short distance. And then um, once they get to the point where they're following that trail, maybe another, you know, you're going 30 yards, then you're going to increase it and maybe add a little bit of hair to that. Maybe you add a little bit of a, a deer hoof to it or uh, maybe a little extra blood on top of it. And eventually we pull that liver away from there and we start working in other scents. And so uh, eventually you get to the point where we're at now where we're only using deer hoof. Um, we do add and incorporate a little bit of blood at times, but a lot of the time we're just using the deer hoof itself. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a misnomer for a lot of people because they call it blood tracking. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, hunters wouldn't call us if they had blood. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, blood tracking is a misnomer a little bit because, again, when you run out of blood, you're calling in a dog. And so we're actually training our dogs to track the deer hoof, which has, it's called an interdigital gland. Yep. And it's got a waxy-like substance that comes out of it. And, um, you know, just like a human would, when their adrenaline gets going, and they get excited, they perspirate, and that's where the deer perspirates is in between their hoof and that gland. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that part. Yeah, and so it actually secretes their own scent. Every deer has its own scent. So, um, you know, like, again, I talked to Africa with these dogs, um, but just in general, tracking dogs. So you, you take, you know, let's say 30 deer and put them in the middle of a field, and we'll take that guy that's sitting in his box blind, and he shoots at that one buck in the middle of those 30 deer, and then... He shoots it, and he makes a mediocre shot, and the deer all run out of the field. Well, people are always concerned, how are you going to be able to track that one specific deer? And the dogs do. And so there's a lot of things. They call it a scent cocktail because, again, we're training our dogs to try to track that one specific scent in the hoof. But with that, you've also got the hair, the skin cells, the blood. And even, again, I say that there might not be any blood, but there's mic microscopic blood there that we just don't see along with the breath of the deer. Yep. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that that dog puts together and figures out, and that's how they can pick that one dog or that one deer out of that 30 yeah. in that field. And it's pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of research. We've discussed about me potentially yeah. doing some training with my dog. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you basically told me all that same stuff already <laughs> once before. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... You know, going through the training process, and I'm sure it's just a natural progression of you increase the distance, yep, lengthen the time from when you lay the scent out, to, exactly, and then you just kind of keep building and building. Yep. So as the dog progresses, gets a little older, you start, you know, training with that, like you said, the the time frame. So you know, you extend that time frame from two or four hours now to six or eight hours. Um, we'll extend that distance from 200 yards to 300 yards, and again, we lighten that blood load from maybe eight ounces to four ounces and again we're just trying to get that that deer scent shortened in 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 smell in the scent conditions and we try to lengthen that time and the distance for the dog and and you really want to you know train your dog not to fail but to have a little bit of experience with that and try to get them um, a little bit more knowledge because again it's it's a scent package you're trying to get them to figure out a puzzle and uh you know, if we made it easy for the dog every time when we went in the real world, it would be pretty hard for that dog to, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together. So we try to make it as hard as possible at times, but we never want to set our dogs up to fail either. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you read anything about dog training, like you don't want to have the dog always fail because then right. they're going to lose interest and yep. it's going to be, you know, you're going to run into issues with that. Yep. And everybody has their own ways of training, um, you know. For me, it was uh, a lot of reading, a lot of YouTube, a lot of listening to podcasts. And, and so, um, you know, I did a lot of a lot of my own training and kind of worked it a little bit different than some people do. But I think it all depends on the dog, too, and how that dog, you know, works itself and and how they, um, you know, their abilities and how they work, you know, well with that. And it can be a struggle. Sometimes you get frustrated with your dog because you think that, you know, the first day they should have had it and the second day they didn't. And um but it, it's funny because your dog picks up on all that. If you get frustrated, they know that you're frustrated. And uh, in turn, that'll work itself into a failed track, really. Okay. Yeah, I know. When I was trying to work with my dog a little bit, 
you know, first time when I introduced, because um, I started him out with liver too. Yep. And uh, he was all about it. You know, he especially when he got that little bit of liver at the end of the trail. Like, oh, absolutely. He, he was game for it. But then as I like tried to make it a little bit more difficult for him, then he seemed to like lose interest. And I realized what probably my biggest issue was is that I was doing it in our backyard, which that's where he just goes to play. Exactly. So he wanted to play and run around, mm-hmm. not focus on what we were trying to yeah. do. So. Yeah, and that was the struggle for me too initially when I first got Willow. It was kind of the, the winter months and it was a little harder. It was colder out. It was, you know, kind of, um, you know, being a small puppy and, and whatnot, being cold out, it was hard to get her out there. But uh, you brought a, brought a great point up and that's training in your backyard. You know, that's the dog's natural habitat. That's where they're used to being. And so you got to kind of take that away from them and you got to be able to take them out and show them this is work. You know, this is what we're doing. But along with that, um, you got to have a good reward at the end for that dog. <laughs> they got to want to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't want to, you know, you know, your boss wouldn't send you to work and uh, tell you to say, hey, we're going to pay you a dollar, but tomorrow we're going to pay you 75 cents, you know. And that's that's kind of where it goes with the dog. You got to be able to make that reward just as rewarding the first day as the third day as the fifth day because gotcha. they really want to be there and they want to work for you as long as there's something good for them. <laughs> right, gotcha. Yeah, so, and then you guys just, you became certified together this so year, correct? we actually did not become certified this year. Uh, okay. We actually went to the certification process. So, uh, Willow will be two this year in November. Okay. Um, so, f- United Blood Trackers, there's a, a, a company or a organization, as if you would. Um, it's called United Blood Trackers. They're a nationwide um, organization and they offer UBT tests. So there's actually three. There's a UBT one, UBT two, and a UBT three. Um, UBT one is roughly, uh, it's three to 400 yards long and it's aged between two and four hours hoof with three ounces of blood. Um, so we decided this year that we were going to try to test for that. And, um, Willow did an amazing job. I can't complain about that. It was a little warm out that day, um, but we did struggle a little bit about halfway through the track. And so, um, you know, I, I'd like to say it was Willow's fault, but we're a team. And so um, I think it just came down to, you know, that little bit of less training that we didn't get in in the beginning of the season that we might have needed to. But I was overall happy with how she, how she did. Um, we'll probably go back after it again next year. So for those that aren't familiar, you don't have to be certified in the state of Michigan to track. The advantages of it is if you do have a UBT1 or UBT2, um, the state of Michigan allows you to be a certified deer tracker. And what that does is it allows you to dispatch the deer day or night with that weapon of of the season. Right. Yeah, I knew that was like one of the big catches is, is or one big incentive to get certified. Yep is that you would have the opportunity where the hunter could bring, you know, their firearm or bow with them. So if the deer was still alive when you got to the end of it. Yep. So in that circumstance, which we did have a scenario last year, um, if we come up on a wounded deer that's still alive, uh, we have to pull the dog out, take it back to the vehicle, and then the hunter can go in and dispatch the deer. But again, it obviously has to be daylight. It can't be in the middle of the night. So um, same rules apply, obviously, for that hunter as it would be for, for deer regulations. So with the certification, they can do it at night. Correct. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. So. All right. So then I guess one of the big things is, is then I'm sure, which you might have even found out that what do I do to find a deer or find a, a tracker? Yeah. So um, that was the biggest struggle for me. Um, you know, social media has become huge. Obviously, we all know that now. And so with social media comes lots of Facebook pages, lots of places to search out things. Uh, there's There's three big ones right now. Um, throughout Facebook for Michigan hunters. Um, there's obviously the uh, United Blood Trackers. They, they have a, a virtual map on their online website, so you can go on there, pick a state, and then it lists all the trackers for that state. Currently, there's 95 listed trackers for the state of Michigan. Okay. So there's a, a few more this year. I think there was uh, mid-70s last year. Oh, Again, okay. not all of those teams are um, certified, but sure. they're part of the, the UBT. Um, and then on top of that, they, again, Facebook has, you know, numerous upon numerous pages and, uh, Michigan deer tracking network and Michigan deer trackers on Facebook, both have virtual maps. And so, you know, what I've told a lot of people over the last two years of, 
again coming up within a week here of the season and then uh, last year was get a hold of your tracker early you know find out who you have for your area uh, michigan deer tracker uh, page currently right now there's only four trackers north of claire really there's only four of us north of claire that are on that virtual map now michigan deer tracking network does have a few more okay um, but there's very limited you know areas that have um, a lot of downstate guys you know have dogs and there's a lot of hunters per capita down there but as far as up here um, we don't have a lot of trackers so i try to tell people get a hold of a tracker early because there's a lot of things that you know put, play out i mean you might be fifth sixth seventh in line for that day depending on the track gotcha. now for that for that number of um trackers in our area is that just for the lower peninsula or is that including the upper so the upper peninsula only has four on that map so there's eight north of claire wow i yeah. would have I guessed that, that and was... and again that's just on the michigan deer trackers page sure there's okay. there's a uh, michigan deer tracking network does have a few more um, but again, that's just, and those are just the ones that are on the map. There's guys out there that have, you know, kind of like I was last year. I, it was my first year. Um, I was trying to start out with just being, uh, you know, kind of a, Hey, if you shoot one and, and you want me to, uh, come out and run your, your deer, even if it was a long shot and it went 50 yards, we wanted practice. Uh, we wanted to start out the season with, um, Hey, if you shoot a deer, call me, I want to be able to come out and just track it. Um, we wanted our friends to call us. We wanted our buddies to call us. We wanted our buddies' buddies to call us. Even if you shot one and it went 30 yards, call us. We want practice. And that was really what last year was supposed to be about. Um, we did 21 tracks last year. And of the 21, there was three people that called me that said, I've got a deer that I know I killed, and, and I know it only ran 50 or 60 yards. Um, the rest of those were all real live tracks, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was good for us. Uh, we got a lot of experience out of it. Uh, my dog Willow got a lot of good knowledge built out of that. Of the, uh, of the 21, we found 13. Okay. Three of those again being known kills. Um, and then, uh, of those 10 that were, you know, we found, I should say of the seven that we didn't find, um, three of those actually contacted me later in the season and said they were still alive. Okay. So I was pretty, uh, pretty happy with how last year played out. Yeah. So, uh, two things. One, did that make you a little nervous about the year then that you were getting a lot of them were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this deer is. Or were you just like, okay, we'll try our best type of deal. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, I got a lot of advice from, uh, a lot of guys that are, you know, have been tracking obviously. And, and the number one advice that I got from everybody was just be honest with your hunter. Um, and, and that's what we did. Uh, so 23rd of October, November 7th, between those days, I was taking eight or nine calls a day. <laughs> and I know that doesn't seem like a lot to some of the guys that are downstate that are taking 40 or 50, but for a guy doing it his first year, uh, I was a little overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was only trying to take as, as maybe not as close, but some of the ones that I knew that I could get to, I, I was trying not to travel too far away from home that, you know, trying to keep close by. Um, so yeah, I was, I was honest with people and I just told them, you know, if you're looking for an experienced dog and you're looking for somebody that you know can potentially find your deer, please do so. Please call somebody else. I was, I was not misleading by any means. Um, and I will say overall, everybody was awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a little nerve wracking at times, but, uh, like I said, everybody that I went out and did tracks for was really uh, appreciative of it. Um, and so last year and coming up for the 2022 season, we're going to continue on. We're going to do by donation only this year. Um, you know, there's guys that charge, there's guys that don't charge and there's guys that do it by donation. And we decided we're going to do donation again this year. A lot of that has to do with, I feel it's important that um, everybody has the same opportunity to find their deer. You know, there's guys that can't afford to pay. There's people that can't afford to pay for a dog. And those are the type of people that um, maybe they don't want to, but they, they make that kind of crummy shot, whether it was on purpose or not. Um, you know, they're going to have the ability, just like anyone, to have their deer found or hopefully have their deer found versus just saying, you know what, I guess I'll just shoot another one. Because that's leaving deer in the woods dead that... Uh, I'd like to not see. So yep. we're going to try to do that this year and see how it plays out. I think everybody's been really good to us last year, so we're hoping this year will be the same. Good. Good, man. That's, that's a good way 
approach it for sure. Yep. Now, was so was last year the first uh, year that she or Willow did a track that was actually a deer at the end of the at the track? Yep. So um, the first call we got last year was during early antlerless. Okay. So uh, I had been pushing it out there. Again, hadn't had a Facebook page, hadn't done anything. I, I've got a dog. I had uh, about 10 bags of deer feet in my freezer. <laughs> I had three livers and a few uh, few bottles of blood. And uh, I had pushed it out to a few people and said, if you shoot a deer, call me. And our very first call last year was a guy that said, I gut shot a, a doe. I'm up in Kalkaska County. Can you help? <laughs> and uh, it was uh, about 7 o'clock at night. And I said, well... I'm not going to come out there tonight because it's a gut shot. So how about we come out tomorrow morning? And, uh, you know, so we went out there the next morning. It was about 8 o'clock. Um, Dewey out. Thought, well, we'll give it our best shot. So looked at the arrow, decided it was definitely a gut shot. Um, and, and, you know, being a new team, it really takes a lot of work to, to learn your dog and how to read your dog. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I still struggle with a little bit is just trying to read the dog and how she acts when she's on a track. Um, so we, we, uh, we, we ran around the woods for a while. Okay. <laughs> we, did, we did a lot of uh, woods searching for, for squirrels and chipmunks and mice and, and everything else. But eventually what I found with Willow is, is over the last year now, uh, especially with the 21 tracks we did do, um, she may take five minutes and she may take 20 minutes to decide that she's ready to track. But I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, she's got a lot of energy. Okay. And so I found that once I get to a specific area where we're going to track, I get her out, let her walk around, let her meet everybody. And then we get to it. So, so about after an hour running around in the woods and, and playing hopscotch, we, we finally got on the track and, it, and the deer actually only ran about 250 yards, but, um, it was only for about the first 50 yards there was blood. And so after that, um, you know, it was up to Willow and she, she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, it just took that time. <laughs> yeah. Did, now, did you notice anything like, like something like clicking her or something like that when she found the deer at the end of the, at the end of the trail? Like I've heard of like guys that would like, um you know, train bird dogs or something like that. Like they'll go through the training, but then it seems like once they go on their first hunt and they actually get some live game, like something just snaps and yeah. they're like, oh, this is why we're doing this. So uh, I talked about the reward. You got to have a reward at the end. And my reward was always, uh, you know, maybe it was playing with the deer hoof. Maybe it was playing with the deer hide. Um, I always tried to keep a treat of some sort at the end for her. Maybe it was a, a, a dog bone or a, some type of treat. And uh, our first deer we found that that doe um she wanted nothing to do with the treat she wanted everything to do with licking the deer right and the second deer we found was the same way and by the third deer i couldn't get her to take a treat from me and there is guys that that will talk about how their dog becomes a little possessive and my dog has become that dog oh no so I have to uh, warn people, you know, she's only 25 pounds, but um, she, she's she got a little angriness to her when she <laughs> finds a deer. That's her deer. And so I have to tell people, and and uh, it, it's a good thing, I think. Um, you know, I don't let her become too possessive with it, but I, I want her to know that that was her deer for the time being. And I let people know that, the hunter. Um, you know, you can't help but let her do it uh, to a certain extent. I mean, right. she put a lot of work into that. And so uh, at that point, I just let her do her thing. She doesn't pull on the hide. She likes to lick a little blood, but uh, you reach down to touch it. She decides that it's her deer and, <laughs> and her deer only. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, all right. So something did definitely uh, change it. Yeah, so, that. <laughs> so she definitely had a little click to her. Uh, she found out that, um, you know, eventually this is why we're here and this is what we're doing. And this was my deer and, and uh, um, you know, it's funny, you, you've probably seen the video on Facebook of my wife, uh, we were watching deer hunting at home. Yes. And how uh, crazy she gets just watching deer on TV. And yeah. so, you know, that's kind of cool to see. She's really excited about this season, I think. So hopefully that'll continue on with her. All right. So so we covered that, you know, with her training and whatnot, that once she started tracking a live deer, you know, she kind of... Yep. And, and, uh, you know, I, it took a little bit, like I said, uh, you know, watching the dog, learning the dog to work. 
um, it, it took a little bit for me. Uh, I still at times she she you know being a small dog she's a she's a ratter a little bit, you know chipmunks and squirrels and and mice she really likes. Okay. So I have to break her of that a little bit. She's doing a lot better. Um, we did have a call earlier this year uh, for the youth hunt. Um, and I was a little concerned, you know, we failed our UBT test. I was a little concerned about that. It kind of maybe it brought me down a little bit, you know, made me rethink how my training was. But, um, after we got the call, the, the kid had shot it with a rifle. Um, and we went out there, decent blood for about the first 75 yards. And then it kind of petered out to nothing. Uh, we started tracking and, uh, 957 yards later, we were still tracking blood but we were onto a private section that we weren't able to go onto anymore. Um, and the deer never bedded down. And so initially right from the shot site, my, my guess was uh, low brisket, but it wasn't, you know, exact. I mean, so we, we just kind of went off of what the dog was doing. And, um, I was pretty happy with that track. 957 yards was, was a pretty good track for her. Yeah. And, And we were only finding blood, you know, maybe every 60 to 90 yards. Okay. And it was literally just a, a tiny little pin drop of blood. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, what has been one of the, you know, one of the hardest tracks or one that you were most impressed about that you were able to... Um, you know, hardest tracks, the the hardest ones are the ones you don't find. <laughs> sure. And those are just because, uh, you know, it's the unknown. Um, but I guess we'll back up just one step. And, and when it comes to... You know, a guy makes a shot. You're sitting in your tree stand, you make a shot, or, or even if you're sitting in a box blind or ground blind or whatever it may be, you know, you make that shot. Um, if there's any question at all about whether you made a good shot or not, I always try to tell hunters that they need to, number one, be cautious about how they exit their tree stand, and number two, um, you know, give it time. Probably the, the number one reason that guys lose their deer is because they don't give them enough time. They try to go after them way too soon. And, and, uh, you know, we've all been, we've all been there. Uh, unfortunately we've all been in that position where, you know, you shoot a deer and we'll just talk archery at this time. Um, you shoot a deer and you, you climb down and you look at your arrow or maybe you don't have your arrow, but you're seeing where the deer went and you really want to just kind of follow off a little, I'll just go a little ways. I'll just go a little ways. You laugh cause you've been there, haven't uh-huh. you? And so we just go that little ways and, um, you know, maybe you didn't know, or maybe you did know where you hit the deer, but that little ways could be just enough to push that deer. If it, if it bedded down, you know, within that first hundred yards or so, cause it was hitting the liver or the guts or whatever. Um, a lot of the times what you'll find is the first 250 yards. If you left that deer alone for six hours, the deer had been dead. So when I go back and talk about, um, you know, if those people would just give it a little time and if there's any doubt or any question, again, I'm taking phone calls anyways. I'm more than happy to talk to people and say, Hey, this is what I think. Send me a picture of your arrow. Tell me what your circumstances were. You know, I have a question questionnaire. There's about 20 questions on there that I'm going to ask you. Um, so if you were to call and actually want to track, um, I've got a list of a bunch of questions that I'll go through with you. And, and that just helps me decide, not necessarily if I want to track that deer for you, but what's the likelihood of finding that deer and or um, how long do we need to wait to find that deer. So there's, there's uh, you know, a lot of factors that go into it. Um, I'm not a professional by any means. I learned a lot last year and I'm still learning this year, but um, there's a lot of things that I can look at and I can tell you where you hit that deer before I even go out in the woods. I can look at the hair, I can look at the blood, the arrow, all that kind of stuff will tell us where that deer was shot. All right. So since we're on that topic, I mean, what would be some of the, you know, top questions that you're wanting to get answers to? So uh, I've got a list here. I kind of wrote a few things down, but, um, you know, number one is when was the shot? What time did you shoot the deer? Uh, because again, if you're sitting in your tree stand, you might not call me for an hour or two before you get out of the woods. You know, you've already looked for an hour, whatever that case may be. So what time did you shoot that deer? Um, what county are you hunting? Then that just gives me an idea of, you know, travel time. Is it something that I need to drop everything and start driving? Cause it's going to be an hour and a half before I can get there. Or is it something I've got time to, to, you know, take a break or whatever. Um, the big thing that, that I always have to go after is public or private 
because we've got a lot of public land up here. You know, some of the guys that hunt downstate, they don't have to deal with a lot of that. But um, are we on public or private property? It doesn't change my way of, of tracking. It just depends on were you on a public piece and now that deer's on private. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've run into a couple scenarios. So, uh, you know, just to throw it out there, if you ever do call a tracker and you think the deer's on somebody else's land, please get permission before we even come out because there's nothing worse than getting to a private line and then having to stop the track. Um, so if you have any doubts that that deer went on a piece of private, you know, try to get that permission. Um, were you hunting from a ground blind or an elevated position? And that just has to do with, um, you know, the angle of the shot, okay. where, where that potential arrow or bolt or whatever it was that you were hunting with, um, the, the travel trajectory. Uh, how far was the shot? Okay. So, um, again, if we're just talking archery right now, was it 15 yards or was it 55 yards? You know, um, a lot of crossbows will shoot a long ways, but what's the, the impact at 60 yards with a crossbow? How much, you know, how much does it have for an impact on, on a deer at 55 yards versus 15 yards? So that's, that's kind of where we have to figure out, um, you know, and a big, another big question with that is what type of broadheads are you shooting? Okay. Yeah. Uh, mechanicals versus fixed. You know, there's a huge difference there. So, um, what was the deer's position? How was it facing? Was it facing face on? Was it quartering to you? Was it quartering away? And a lot of that again depends on how we go after that deer. Because again, depending on what vitals you may or may not have hit, um, the face on shot. I know you see a lot of videos of it, and there's guys that are doing it, but um, it's just not a great shot. And uh, there's just so much muscle and tissue and, and bones and everything. It's not a very big area to try to hit. I know there's guys that'll do it, um, but it's just, it's not a great shot. So we try to tell, you know, and that's probably the number one thing that I've found over the last year for me is not only going out and hoping, hoping to find your deer, but also a little education for people. Um, you know, you, you try to educate people a little bit on, hey, you know, I, I realize your crossbow will shoot 60 yards, but let's not try to shoot deer at 60 yards. Because <laughs> most of the time they've seen a video that some guy shot 60 yards, but they've never practiced at that distance. True. Yeah, I can see that, with the, especially with the crossbow. You, I've, I've got the dot in my crossbow, but, you know, and it says 60 yards on it, so that's what I use, but I've never shot at that distance. I've never practiced at that distance. Um, so, you know, a um, couple other things. How'd the deer react after after you shot? Did it run away? Did it walk away? Did it did it run, you know, 50 yards and stop and look at you? I mean, there's a lot of factors with that. Um, what's the arrow look like? Can you send a picture to me? You know, does it have any smell to it? Um, you know, that'll, that'll tell. And obviously the veins are big on, on arrows. And so you can take a look at the veins and you can kind of look at what is the blood color? Does it have a smell to it? Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, obviously guys know videotaping stuff. If you got a video, you can send me. I've had a couple people last year send me a video and I can get a real good look at where that arrow impacted. Yeah. I was going to say the one question that I didn't hear was uh, where'd you hit it? Yeah. So the other question uh, I do have right here, which is next, is the location of the shot. Okay. And so um, you've probably seen on my Facebook page, I have a picture of a deer with a bunch of squares in it and it's got, you know, A through F or whatever it is, and then a bunch of numbers. And so, uh, you know, if I get a phone call or if I get a text, that's the number one thing I'll do is send them that picture and say, where did you shoot the deer? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, and, and, and you know, people always want to believe they made a good shot, which again, I was there, you know, I've been there. Um, but they also want to think they hit somewhere where they maybe didn't. So I go off of what you tell me, but there's also in the back of my mind, maybe that's not exactly where you shot. Sure. You, you kind of, but that's why we put the puzzle together too with all the pictures and the info that you can give me on how the deer reacted and how far did it run and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and that all pushes into, um, did you track it all? Did you jump the deer? How many people were out there? Are you grid searching? Did you grid search? How far did you go? Um, how many hours has it been since you grid searched? You know, because a lot of that kind of stuff, what, what that does is, um, again, you take line A to line B, and that, that deer runs from A to B in a straight line, and the dog can get on that and run A to B. But when you take the connected dots, 
because that's the kind of puzzle the dog has to figure out. You know, when somebody walks through an area and they're grid searching, um, again, we talked about molecules that are just minute. They're small. And you got blood and you got the breath and you got the skin cells and the hair and everything else. When you grid search and you push all that into that huge area, it takes the dog forever to try to figure out where that deer went because you've now scattered that scent over a dramatic area that that dog has to work really hard to try to figure out where that deer exited that area. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, if, if you, you know, step on you know the deer's trail, get maybe even blood on your boot, you walk around, now you're carrying some of that scent exactly. along with you. And so, um, you know, again, and again, I'm not beating on people that this is, because I've been there, this is how we do it, right? We track down the deer trail. Yep. Where are we walking? Where all the blood's at? Yep. We're walking in the blood. And by the time we get to a point where there's no blood, you know, hey, Ty, you go that way. I'm going to go this way. And we're walking in different directions. But you don't walk back the same way because that's not where the blood was the first time. So you walk back a different way. And so we're just scattering that scent everywhere. So that's why it's important. You know, I always tell people, if if you have a deer that you're unsure of, call. Yep. Get some info before you go out there and disturb that area. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I might have told you the story about the the doe I shot muzzleloader last year. About so it was getting late. Shot her at le- last light. She runs off, bounding away. Go up to where the spot of impact was. No blood, nothing, <laughs> no hair, nothing. So I'm like, well, maybe it was a clean miss. So then I follow her track. Yep. To the edge of the woods. Still no blood. Still nothing. Go into the woods a little bit. Couple spots of blood. Like, all right, well. I know I, I got to hit somewhere. I hit, <laughs> but it was, you know, it wasn't bright red blood. It sure. was a few spots. I'm like, well, maybe it's just a flesh wound. Like, well, I'll follow it a little bit, see what happens. Go about 10 yards. She jumps up out of a bed about 20 yards further up the trail. And it's like, oh, Oops. no. <laughs> there she goes. But yep. fortunately, it was a hit enough to where she only bounded about 20, 30 yards. Bet it back down. She didn't bet back down right away, but she stopped. And I could have swore in my headlamp that she was her back end was swaying a little bit. Sure. So I'm like, well, she looks like she's hurt. She didn't go far. She doesn't want to go far. <laughs> I'm just going to back out and give it time. Yeah. So it's it's so easy to, to be like just taking the information that you had, thinking that you're making the right call. Yep. And then next thing you know, you're jumping that deer and they're off to the races again. Yep, yep. And, and that's the thing, you know, you push that deer out of its bed at, you know, 150, 200 yards. Um you know, and I'll give you this prime example. Uh, we talked a little bit before I came over today that uh, let's talk about one of your best tracks. And this one was probably last year was was probably my most favorite uh, out of all of them. Uh, I had a guy call me on uh, opening day of rifle season. Unique story, but uh, calls me up and he says, uh, "Hey, um, I've I've shot a deer." He says, "I shot it with a rifle. Uh, it was about a hundred yards." And uh, he said, I was resting on my box blind, so I know I had a good rest. Um, He says, I watched it run into this kind of this real thick patch of some um, autumn olive. And he said, uh, I waited about an hour, and I got down there, and I went down, and I found where I hit it. I think I gut shot it. He said, so I tracked it about 50 or so yards, and when I got into that thick autumn olive, he said, I shot another deer. (laughs) <laughs> okay and so i said okay and uh of course i've got him on speakerphone and my wife's sitting next to me and so we're we're kind of like you know bright-eyed like wow this is going to be cool we're going to track two deer so he starts telling me the story how he's crawling through there he's following a little bit of blood and and as he's crawling through there the first deer he shot was a six point and as he gets through this this uh, autumn olive area he said about 10 yards there's a eight point standing there and he shoots it straight on and the deer takes off and so he says he doesn't really track that much further, and he calls me. So I'm kind of excited, you know. I'm going to go out and track two deer. How cool will this be, put two deer on the tailgate and put the dog right in the middle, and, boy, we're going to look cool, you know. <laughs> so uh, so we get out there, and he, he kind of runs through the story again, and we start right through the, the thick of it, and immediately Willow's on it. We're going right through. We get through the, the autumn olive. We come out the backside of it and uh, kind of opens up to a little brushy field, and we go over a power line, um, and, and again, this was all private land. There was a one section that we had to get permission, but he had done that prior to. So we go across the power line. We cross a road. 
we go down into a ditch we come up over to the top of it we go through some pine trees um i'm running onyx on my phone the whole time you know so i can tell how far we are and uh willow's pulling the whole time like i know she's tracking i mean she's on this deer and so we're following it we're following it following it we get to a point where i look out in front and about six deer jump up and take off and i thought well that's kind of weird you know they were bedded in a different area that this guy you know he said that i i kind of think this deer would go this direction so we kind of come around the corner willow keeps pulling she's pulling we get down into this there was a creek bottom we come down into the bottom of it and um here's the deer it's dead and i thought well cool there's the first one you know it's a gut shot and uh when we were back in the autumn olive this guy had told me the direction you're headed is the one that the eight point went and i so i said okay well we'll come back to this area and we'll track the other one well, lo and behold, when we find this deer, it's got three shots in it. <laughs> the guy thought he shot two deer, but it was the same deer. And uh, we went 0.96 miles. And the reason that, that uh, he had shot this deer the second time was, again, we talk about they only go a short distance and bed down. The deer went about 150 yards and bedded down because it had been gut shot. And so when he was crawling through the autumn olive, it just didn't know it was him coming and it stood up at that point when it stood up he thought it was another deer got excited you know six points looks like eight in your scope at 15 yards <laughs> so but it was a cool track because uh you know we ended up going back to that same spot just to verify and i think for peace of mind for him he was happy to see that the same track that he thought was the eight point was actually the same deer okay and that kind of for him again that peace of mind of okay, maybe I really didn't shoot two deer, sure. you know? And so that's kind of where that dog came in too for him, um, made him a little bit more excited knowing that um, he didn't shoot another deer and we couldn't find it, so. Right, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, otherwise you're, he's only, he'd only be able to go off of that. Go off possible. of what he's saying, yeah. Yeah, geez. So, but that was a cool track. Uh, again, that .96 miles, I mean, that's not obviously, you know, forever distance, but it was far enough for us and, and being our first year so she was pretty excited about that when she found that deer <laughs> oh yeah but yeah and at no point did you think that she was losing it at any point or no we kept coming across a few areas where you could see where the the you know we'd get to a point where we crossed the road you could see the tracks then you'd find a little bit of gut matter or maybe a little blood here a little hair there but um you know i could just pretty much tell the whole time that she was on that track so that nice. was that was cool nice okay yeah. all right so we covered you know some of the basics of yeah. if you shoot a deer. Yep. Um, what else do you think we should cover here? Well, so, you know, um, you know, if you do call a tracker, uh, again, every tracker is a little different. There is, uh, you know, everybody's got a little different questioning. But when you do get that call from them or when you do call us, we're going to have a questionnaire for you. We're going to run through a series of questions. Uh, try to answer as honest as you can. If you don't know, just say you don't know. Don't make something up. Don't try to think that, you know, well, I really think it was here. If you don't know, just say, I don't know. We'd rather come out with the I don't know attitude versus I know this is where I hit them. Um, so, you know, get those questions out there. Answer them as best as you can. Um, and then during the track, you know, I always like to tell people restarts are normal. So, you know, we're going to get on a specific deer. If we're going to do that, we have to make sure the dog is on that specific deer. What I found with Willow, we go out to a specific spot. We always start at the hit site. So if you shoot a deer from an elevated position with your bow 30 yards from the tree stand, that's where we're going to start. Hair, blood or not, that's where I want to start the dog off. What I found with Willow is she'll actually backtrack. I always ask the hunter, where did the deer come from? Because what I find is that she actually will step into that hoof print, smell it, and she actually goes 10 or 15 yards the other direction that the deer came from, turns, and then goes back that direction where the deer took off. And I think that's just her way of figuring out, that's the deer I want. Okay. That's the one I'm looking for. That's the specific deer I want to find for this day, and then she'll take off on that track. Okay, so she just kind of, yeah, building whatever. Building her scent profile for that deer. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it, it's amazing to see how she works through that. Um you know, and just just watching her pick out that specific scent and figuring out that's the deer. And, and 
I try not to talk to her a whole lot during a track, but I will tell her, you know, that's the one or yes, that's your deer or, you know, whatever it may be, but just trying to make sure that she stays on that specific one as we go on. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've listened to different guys talk about it. And yeah. Some are very, very encouraging throughout the whole track. Yep. Other guys are list, you know, basically let the dog do the work and they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time for me, um, lately talking to her is no. <laughs> <laughs> don't chase that squirrel <laughs> but we're we're getting a lot better with that yeah <laughs> so but yeah um and and so you know when you get out on a track don't be concerned again i always tell people anybody that you have come out restarts are normal you know if you want that dog to get on your deer we got to restart and it's okay even if we're 300 yards i don't care i'll walk back and i'll restart because i want to make sure that my dog gets on your deer stays on your deer and then obviously long-term haul is let's find that deer yeah so when you when you um do a restart do you do you try to go all the way back to the beginning or do you go back to where you you feel more confident it depends that on how right far here. away i am um you know obviously as we're tracking you know it's it's always nice to have that encouragement of holy look there's some blood you know because because sure. that's that that just tells me as a tracker that my dog's doing the right thing but um we don't always get that so depending on how far away we are from the hit site I might start her off back at the beginning, but then again, watching your dog work, there's certain things that you can tell her tail straight up. She's got this kind of like a hippity hop to her. She, she got this weird little trot that she does sometimes when she, when she gets on it. And then, uh, you know, obviously if her nose is to the ground, she'll air scent once in a while. Um, but she doesn't always air scent, you know, she's kind of a mixture, you know, they've got, uh, two different styles of dogs. They've got the, you know, dogs that are specific air centers and they've got dogs that are trailers that stick their nose in the ground and they follow that the whole time. She kind of does a little bit of both. Uh, but I just think that's part of her way of making sure that she's on the right line. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, we'll just talk if you don't mind real quick about wait times. Yeah, yeah, So no, you shoot a deer, um, you know, long, 30 minutes or so is a good, is a good time. Again, that's you watch it pass through that area. Uh, heart shots, probably 30 minutes is a good, good uh, you know, note again. Um, shoulder shots, you know, it happens. Um, but shoulder shots don't have a wait time. You need to get on that deer as soon as possible. So what's the thought process with that then? So... Um, have you shoulder shot a deer before in yes. your career? And so, uh, was it with a arrow or a, a gun? Arrow. Okay. And how far did you track that deer? Not far. A little bit of blood? Not even. Not even blood. So if we're talking arrows, uh, depending on the size, and again, that's why it's important for me to know what kind of a broadhead you were shooting. Were you shooting a fixed or a, a, a mechanical? Um, mechanicals and bones don't mix. Right. Fixed, fixed do at times. Um, but it's important to, with a shoulder shot, um, that's a non-recoverable deer. So I don't care if you give it 10 minutes or 10 hours, you're never going to find that deer if you just leave it alone and try to go find it later. So we talk about shoulder shots. We need to push those deer. It's more, you know, it's easier during gun season, obviously, because we can shoot a further distance, but a shoulder shot deer is is a non-lethal hit. Plain and simple, non-lethal hit. So we need to try to push those deer as far as we can. And that pushing hopefully will increase their heart rate, increases their you know bl- uh, blood pressure, and eventually if you can get them to start bleeding again, depending on if the arrow's still in them or not. Okay. And so we're just trying to push those deer to the point where we can get another shot. You can get a layup shot on them at 30 yards with your bow. You know, you, you maybe pushed them 1,000 yards, and they're getting to the point where they're tired. And so they'll bed down, and maybe you can get in a little closer and get another shot on them. All right. So, that, that so that's sense. kind of the thought process behind that. That makes sense, yeah, because if you're a shoulder shot, you have no guarantee of how good a penetration is, more nope. likely, non-lethal. So there's no sense of waiting to let that deer wander or do whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with pushing that deer, too, we're still secreting that adrenaline gland. The dog can still track on that because, again, you're not going to have any blood if minimal. So pushing that deer, keeping their adrenaline up, will will allow that dog to continue on them. Yep, keeping them breathing heavy, everything like that. Yep. sure helps. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, gut shots, you know, it happens. Um, but 12 to 24 hours is kind of that minimum time frame. Um, 
and there's multitude of these. Obviously, they can be lung, liver, gut, all in the same, or they could just be one specific. So that's why it's, again, important. How was that deer facing? Was it quarter and two, quarter and away, broadside? But gut shots, um, typically we like to say 12 to 24 hours. Uh, and that all depends on the weather, too. Was it a hot or was it a cold day? Um, and this is important because, you know, this morning's fairly cold, but this afternoon's going to be a little bit warmer out. Um, during hot weather, those deer are going to have their heart rate increased. And so they potentially are going to build that fever faster. Okay. Because of that warm weather and because of the, the fact that their, their body temperature could increase faster, their heart rate's going to be higher, their blood pressure might be a little higher. And so during that time, warmer weather, I think those deer might die a little sooner. But we talk about cold weather. Maybe it's snowing out. Maybe there's, you know, six inches of snow. They lay down. You know, you get some swelling in your leg. What do you do? You put an ice pack on it. Same thing with snow. You put a little snow around those deer. They can cool themselves down. Their fever doesn't set in as fast. They calm their body. Their heart rate drops with that colder weather. So it may take 36 hours for that deer to die. Okay. So it's all dependent on the weather. And, and, you know, I use the weather app. I'm always constantly checking the scent conditions as far as wind goes. I'm constantly checking the weather as far as the temp goes. So it's just kind of keeping an eye on all that stuff. And then we talk about livers. Liver shots are 8 to 12 hours, um, depending on which part of the liver you hit. You know, there's some real big areas of the liver that are high in, um, you know, veins and arteries can bleed really fast. They might die in 30 minutes, but sure. we don't know that. Gotcha. How about, um, going back to a lung, how about if they suspect it's a one lung? So one lungs can be hard because um, how do we know it's a one lung? We, we might not know. Um, so one lungs are hard. You might find out after you get into that track for three or 400 yards and that deer jumps up and takes off. You might find out that um, depending on the shot angle, it could have been one lung. Depending on type of broadhead, maybe, you know, youth shooting bows they're not shooting enough poundage it might only go in and hit one lung so those are kind of things again um, but one lungs need to be pushed too okay if we can uh, but still well, we want to give those deer time because yes deer can survive on one lungs but there's also portions of that lung that if you do hit it they could die in half hour sure gotcha so all right so we covered you got the wait times yeah, uh, big thing, scent conditions. Yeah, I was just going to ask you when you had brought it up about the wind and the rain and whatnot. Yeah. What? So, uh, you know, I had a guy last year call me um, about 10 o'clock in the morning. He shot a deer. He thought he liver shot it. Um, I told him, if you that's where you think you shot it, we're going to wait at least six hours, but I'd like to wait eight. And uh, as the day progressed, um, some rain moved in. I think he called me three times in a matter of about an hour, and he was concerned because it was raining. Um, a complete washout can be tough, but any type of moisture that we can get only is going to improve that track. So you talk about scent molecules. We talk about you know skin cells, hair, blood, all that stuff. If you put a little moisture with it, that's like a slam dunk for the dog. I mean, it's easy for them to figure out where that scent condition goes because that moisture increases it. Okay. Um, talk about a you know a hot, sunny, bright day where it's seventy degrees and the the skies are completely clear. All that sun's doing is beating down and it's pulling all of that scent straight up into the air, and so uh, it makes it super dry and it makes it really hard for the dog to track. Okay. So a little bit of rain is not a, a bad thing, um, and, and that's kind of where. For us, that's where we feel like, uh, you know, we can come out and you call me up. Hey, I shot a deer this morning, but now it's rained since then. I can't find the blood trail. Maybe you made a perfect shot. Maybe you made that shot and you know that deer only went 100 yards, but you lost the blood trail because it rained. Call us up. We'll come out. More than happy to. And most of the time that that dog is going to walk right to it within five or ten minutes, you know. And that's just because the scent conditions are so good. So rain's not a bad thing. Um, that misconception of, oh boy, it's raining, I'm going to lose out, it's not going to hurt anything, it's going to help. Like I said, though, washouts, yeah, if you got a monsoon, I mean, it might make it a lot more difficult for the dog, but a little bit of rain or some moisture helps out for us. 
Okay. Yeah. You know what? That does kind of make sense because you know, it, I've always like heard about like you know when people are like tracking like you know, fugitives and whatnot to try to do them, like like going like the river and whatnot. And they're like, oh yeah, no, like, sure. That just holds a scent for us. Yep. Yep. And and that's the you know. Um, funny enough as it is during my training process i learned a lot by reading different books on deer tracking different books on wounded deer but um probably the most influential one that i read was actually canine tracking and talking about tracking humans in general and most of that just comes from scent conditions how scent conditions work um you know there was a there's a proven study that there's a guy that wears a hazmat suit and he runs through a field woods whatever it may be and the dog is still able to track him. Well, how does he do that? Because he's not losing the skin cells. He's not, you know, he's not bleeding, obviously. So how does the dog do that? And it all comes down to the breath of the guy. It's the, the his breath steaming off, landing on the ground. So again, that's moisture. So moisture is an okay thing. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, they did that. And yep, it's still. impressive. So yeah, so looking forward to this season. I hope uh, I hope you don't need me, but you know, be there if you do. Yeah, yeah. No, again, it's one of those things that haven't made the mistake I did last year. I'm gonna be much more apt to be like, don't, 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 don't be curious. Don't go look over the hill. Don't be pushy. Yeah, like, <laughs> do what you're supposed to do because everyone knows that you're not supposed to push the deer. Yep. If you're a questionable shot, you don't go in there after. Absolutely. It but you just got to overcome that, that desire to want to go after. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, you know, for me, I like to have people as soon I mean, even as soon as possible, you shoot it at six o'clock in the morning, you know, whatever time that may be, it gets light out six Oh five. If you, if you are at all concerned about maybe your shot, shoot me a text. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, my wife knows at this point during deer season, the phone's going to ring no matter what. <laughs> so, uh, shoot me a text and say, Hey, this is what I think. Um, and I think there's a lot of trackers, but again, find a tracker early. You know, I track specifically again, uh, mostly Benzie and Manistee County. I've gone to Grand Travers. I've gone to Leelanau. There's a few other guys that I know around this area that do have dogs. So if I'm not available, we can, we can push you on to somebody else, but, um, find that tracker early season, call them up. I had a guy contact me last week from Ludington said, Hey, I come up there and hunt quite often. If I happen to need you, are you available? And so that was kind of cool. He's being proactive about it. Um, you know, so be proactive. Get get somebody else if you can. Um, find that tracker early. Make sure that you know who it is for your area. And, you know, guy's going out of state. You're going somewhere else, going to Kansas. You're going to Iowa. Obviously, we hope we all never need them, but know who's in that area so you have that ability if you ever need them. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, again, even if you just use them as knowledge, call somebody up and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Phone call's free. <laughs> right? All right. So, yeah. So, I did want to talk a little bit, too. This is just for you personally. I mean, you know, with you being, you know, available, you know, how do you balance that when you're trying to go out hunting or you're trying to get your hunts in? Yeah. It can be a little tough. Um, so last year being our first year, like I say, uh, I, I just kind of balanced it a little bit as I could. But as the season went on, um, you know, we've all been to that point where you go out and you sit in the woods and you're sitting up there and maybe you're not seeing the deer or maybe you had a doe walk through or, you know, whatever the case may be. And But you always want to say, I'm going to sit here a couple more hours because I know it might be worth it. And for me last year, I climb up in the tree stand and I'd sit there for an hour and my phone would ring or I'd get a text message and I was down the tree faster than I could <laughs> lower my bow. Okay. And, and it was just, I think, um, you know, that may wear off in time. I enjoy bow hunting. I do still get a lot of opportunities to go out and hunt. Um, but I really enjoyed last year and I'm looking forward to this season. Um, I take off. So, uh, with my job, I work two days a week, but I have that ability to, you know, the five extra days in there to track. I did take off this year a uh, whole month. So I've got the last two weeks of October and the first three weeks of November off. So I'll be able to do a lot of tracking. Um, I'm probably going to turn the phone off for a day or two and do some hunting of my own. But sure. um, yeah, so, you know, you balance that as best you can. You try to get out, 
and do some hunting but a lot of a lot of trackers out there take their hunting season away and just track um i know a few guys that uh you know this year decided that i've got to lighten up the load a little bit and they want to do some of their own hunting and i think that comes with time you know after a few years you probably get to the point where you're ready to get back in the tree stand and do some hunting of your own but uh for me this year i'm I'm excited i'm ready to go we're we're ready to hopefully put some bucks on the trucks as they say (laughs) nice all right man well i think unless there's anything else that we missed i think that's probably a a good place to wrap it up i think so yeah i appreciate you having me on no man i appreciate i mean i've i've always been intrigued like i said i've wanted to dabble in training my dog a little bit and it's i mean it's fascinating you know yep it is fascinating to watch the dogs work um so if you ever have the opportunity to have a dog out and watch them it's it's pretty neat stuff all right man well again what we'll do is we'll make sure that some of your information and those links that you talked about we'll put them in the show notes that way awesome hopefully it'll be a little bit easier for someone that listened that can pull that information up save it on their phone yep and uh you know there's a few of those maps i can send you the tracker maps that are that are definitely worth sharing with people um and then uh i can give you a copy of my sheet that has all those questionnaires and most of those questions are the same questions that anybody's going to ask so those are i always try to tell people to save that to your phone because you can have all that stuff written down before you even call somebody right i was going to say that's even good this even if you're not anticipating calling a tracker, yep. go through those questions, make sure you cover all your bases. Exactly. You go through those questions. You might even answer your own questions by answering those questions on that you know, form. And just just by uh, you know taking that little bit of time to find that stuff out will go a long way. Yep. All right, man. So, well, it sounds great, man. Thanks all right. for coming. Thanks, Ty. All right. Take care. All right, so that's a wrap on the episode with Calvin. Again, he had a ton of great information. Um, so yeah, if you're you know, out hunting this year and you make a questionable shot or had a questionable outcome or a questionable track, give a tracker a call. You know, they can at least give you some insight and help you out. Like you said, like he said, if you are you know, on a track and you start running out of blood, that dog is still going to be able to track that deer, even if you can't find any visible blood. So, and that will just give you some peace of mind. Make sure you did everything you could uh, trying to recover that deer. No, and like we talked about during the episode, if you are looking for resources, if you do want to reach out to a tracker, I'm going to give you some links down in the show description, or you can even go out and just Google or go on Facebook and find a tracker near you. So, and with that, it is October. It is archery season. Uh, We are getting out to the woods. Like I said, some people have already found some success, putting some nice deer down, putting meat in the freezer, and it's only just the first weekend. So, So again, as always, get out there, be safe, and have fun.